is uh, <laughs> stories. We're starting a new series called Stories today. And I, I love, anybody that knows me well knows this. I love to hear stories. Uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room have I said, let's go grab coffee sometime so I can hear your story? Anybody? Oh, I know, I know there's a bunch of hands that should be raked right now. Maybe you didn't know that's what I was doing. I wanted to know your story. And I love stories. And Bill had a fascinating story. And I love to hear him because he was a wild man. He was, he was game to do anything. But stories... When our time's up on this planet, there's one thing that does remain. It's the stories of our lives, the stories of faith, the stories of what God's done in us and through us. And today, I want to kind of dig into that just a little bit because here, here's the thing. Everybody has a story, and every story matters. You may think that you don't have a story, but you do. The fact that you're in this room today started with a story. There was a chapter. There was a, there was a plot line. There was a, there's all the different aspects of what makes a story great. And this, year, this month, we're going to celebrate a few of those stories. And we're going to run the gamut. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I encourage you, you need to bring somebody. With each one of these services, there's a powerful story that will impact the people that you're with. So I believe this. That even on Labor Day, I, I'm just, look, it's Labor Day weekend, y'all. And look at, look at you guys, you, you're here. So I'm, so I'm just great. Can you give each other a hand for being here? And for all of you that are watching online that are part of our family that, you know, and you decided to go out on the boat today and take the risk with the rain, that's, that's on you. But your seat's been taken today. So, <laughs> but anyway, we do want to say to all of our online family, thank you for being here too. And you have a story. So over the next bit, and you say, Pastor, I've got a story. I have a story that I want to tell. You know, the reality is none of, we can't do all the stories and get through everything in any time. But what we'd like you to do is if you want to tell your story, all you got to do is, you've got an iPhone, you've got that stuff, record your story, post it on your social media, and do hashtag Three Oaks Church Stories. Why is that important? Because it connects us all together. You've got a story, and your story matters. I think what I want to jump into is first a story that is really powerful because I walked this story out with this family. And uh, this story actually, actually is from someone that you see often but you probably don't hear bits and pieces of story and history. Because, you know, out of all the people that walk across this platform, you know probably, except for a handful of people, the stories that are in their lives. And I ask this one to share this story as it's an incredibly important one. So would you just kind of watch the screens to the side? Well, it was um, Easter weekend of 2002. And um, I believe it was a Friday. So my sister and uh, several of her friends had been working some really, really long hours together, and they just wanted a break. And they wanted to go to the Memphis Zoo. Uh, they decided they would go Easter weekend, and they all hopped in a, a big Lincoln Town car. <laughs> and probably within a mile of their exit, it was a little bit 
you know, a little bit of a drizzle. Um, middle of the, like 12 o'clock, <laughs> noon, a uh, drunk driver crossed the median in a pickup Jesus, truck Jesus. and hit their Lincoln head on. I was working construction and I think I got off a little bit early and I was headed home and as I pulled in the driveway, I got a phone call from my cousin. He said, man, I'm so sorry. I just heard about your sister. And I said, Clinton, what are you, what are you talking about? And I remember he got real startled and he said, I'm sorry, I, I can't talk to you right now. He said, just talk to your mom. So I walked in the kitchen and uh, my mom was on the phone. My dad calls my mom and uh, he told her, he said, uh, he said, brace yourself. Um, I've got some heavy news for you. Um, our daughter has just been involved in a nasty car wreck and she did not survive. And my mom was telling me that the first words out of her mouth, she doesn't know if it was denial or if it was the Holy Spirit, but she said, don't say another word. And um, we're, we're not going to let our daughter die. And she hung up the phone and um, I sat down on the stairs in the kitchen and she said, we've got to go to Memphis. Your sister's been in a car accident and uh, she is not responding. And um, so what I'm going to tell you is uh, what the doctors and nurses uh, and the witnesses told us. We were told that it took the uh, fire department and the responders an hour to get out to the wreck. The interstate was shut down both directions. Um, they brought in the jaws of life and cut her out. And when they moved her is when she lost consciousness. Uh, what I was told is that um, she actually died and was resuscitated three times. Um, the last time they couldn't, they couldn't revive her and so they laid her on, they laid her on the, the side and covered her up with a white sheet. Uh, life flight was called in for the driver who was in critical condition. Um, when the uh, helicopter landed, the uh, the pilot, uh, he you know, he was taking care of, of uh, his his patient, and he just happened to walk past um, my sister's body that was covered with a sheet, and he uh, he he was inquisitive and he pulled the sheet back, and um, from his words, he said that her young face just struck him, and he's, he he thought to himself, she's too young to die. And uh, so he just, he, he had no knowledge of how long she had been out, you know, how long she'd been dead. And he just started working. Come to find out, he was a uh, born-again believer. And the more he started working, the more of, um, I guess we call it the unction of the Holy Spirit, just kept on pushing on him to, to not stop, to just keep on going. While all of this is going on, we uh, were leaving White House and we were on our way to Memphis to identify my sister's body. When we left White House, it was nice and sunny. As we make our way to Memphis, it is dreary and it is, uh, it's, it's storming and it's just miserable. And there's, uh, I think there was five of us in the car and it's quiet. The radio's not on, we're not speaking. Um, my 
my two older brothers are in the car, Deanne's next to me and my mom. You know, you'll, you'll hear some crying every now and then, but for the most part, we're just driving down in silence. And uh, we kept on getting phone calls, you know, uh, with them updating us on what's happening with my sister. And <clears throat> at the time, my parents were praying and uh, just, you know, cursing death and, and, and breaking off the plans of the enemy. Um, apparently, the life flight attendant, that was when he walked by my sister's gurney or whatever she was laying on. He pulled back the sheet and he started working on her. Um, the time frame for what she laid underneath that sheet was an hour. She was cold, dead for an hour before the life flight um, pilot started working on her. Uh, in his words, he almost became obsessive with working on her. And um, all of a sudden, this corpse gasped for air. And when she did, he, he put tubes in her sides because her lungs had collapsed, obviously. And, um, you know, from there, they, they flew her over to Memphis General Hospital. From us finding out to them telling us that they had revived her, but she was still unresponsive, was two hours. We got that phone call um, probably around in Jackson. And uh, Jackson is where we pulled over uh, into McDonald's. We just kind of composed ourselves started driving again. I remember my mom praying. She, she prayed out loud uh, in the car or, you know, for all of us to hear and pray along with her. And she said, she said, God, she said, thank you for, for reviving my, my daughter. And she started reminding God of um, all the sacrifices that um, the McGregor family, my, my family made in South Africa. She reminded God of how from the time she was 19, she raised four children on the mission field in a small little camper, going and ministering in places and locations that we were told if you go, the only way you come out is in a body bag. Uh, she told me that she reminded God of, of the miracles she saw. She said, God, I've seen you heal cancers immediately in these meetings. She said, I, I've seen the cripple walk, I've seen deaf get their, their hearing, I've seen the blind receive their sight. She said, in this ministry, I have seen personally two dead babies come back to life. And if you don't heal my daughter, like you said that you are able to do, when I see you face to face, I might have to call you a liar. And she said, but I'm not doing that because I know that you're not a respecter of person and that what you've done for the people over there that I saw with my own eyes, you can do and you will do for me and my family. And we prayed and we got to Memphis. And the, one of the really, really interesting things of the journey is, remember, my dad was eight hours away. Eight hours away, he beat us by an hour and a half. I just remember walking into the ICU there was my sister and there's my dad. From there, we had hope and we, we started fighting. We started fighting for my sister. My dad drove up again another eight hours and uh, they wanted to go see my sister and they didn't, the, the nurses didn't want to let them in. They were busy working and uh, my dad refused. He was like, I've driven over eight hours to see my daughter. I'm going to see my daughter. And mom says that when they walked in the room, she looked at the, the monitors. Olivia's heart rate was very low. 
she was white and her eyes were rolled back in her head and they were working and my, my parents both knew exactly what was happening so my dad sent my mom to the other side of the bed and they stretched hands across the bed over my sister and my dad he he started praying my mom remembers it verbatim he said Satan how dare you come back into this room and try and assault my daughter and he said take your filthy hands off of her the plans of God are to prosper her to give her a hope and a future and she will live in the name of Jesus and he leaned down and he whispered in her ear Olivia live for your daddy <laughs> and he said that a couple times <laughs> uh, I told my mom not that long ago I said if ever I'm like in one of those situations you are definitely one of the people that I want in my corner. And, uh, you know, seven days after they prayed over my sister like that, they released her from hospital. Um, of everything that she went through, she has no scars. Um, that was Easter weekend, June the 22nd. She was at my and Deanne's wedding, beautiful as can be. Some things... There are some things that we have no control over, but I think the bottom line is, or, or the question is, did you do everything that you could do? You know, um, if uh, if we had prayed and sought God and, and all these things and my sister had still passed, you know, uh, I think at least we could have said that we, we didn't leave any stone unturned. We prayed, we sought, we cried, we fasted. My mom, she, she didn't have any anointing oil, so she went and she bought baby oil. And she anointed everything in the room. She anointed every doctor and every nurse that walked through the door. You know, everybody was covered in baby oil. <laughs> My dad's always, he always says it. He says, as long as there's breath, there's hope. When we think of stories, sometimes we discount things in our lives. But when I look back at the story that Grant Ross shared with us this morning, there was one thing that he said that I've always been taught as well. But he asked this question, when you look back, did you do everything you could have done? See, oftentimes for me, as a pastor, I walk into situations, and the truth is, is that there are some situations where the outcome is not what we wanted. Because as many stories that we hear about Olivia, who God raised from the dead again, or raised her back to life, we also hear of stories where we prayed and God didn't bring them back. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Because it's like, well, why this? And even Grant Ross said in the story, is this, God, he said, his mom said, that, God, you're no respecter of persons. But have you ever walked through that and felt like, well, maybe he is? Because he did something for somebody else but not for you? Here's what I want to tell you today, and I want to help you wrap your head around that. Because we serve a miracle-working God. 
We serve a miracle-working God. And I want you to wrap your head around that because God is still in the business of doing what is impossible to the world. So I want to say, what is our job in the middle of crises? What is our job when we're desiring for God to do things? How do we do this? And that's what I want to share with you. And first, I want to help you understand the power and the importance of your story. So if you would, stand to your feet with me very quickly, and we're going to open up our Bibles to the book of Revelation. We're going to look in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, very important scripture. We know it's it's in the revelatory scripture. We know it's about that end time, all that. But there's something about the character of God that is revealed here and the character of people who believe. All right? And this is so important. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they conquered him. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their what? Their testimony. And did not love their lives unto death. I want to read that one more time. They have conquered him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb the power of God that lives in us. How many know when we receive Christ, we are covered by the blood of the Lamb? And by the word of their testimony, their lives, what God's done for them, they used the voice that God gave them and shared their testimony wherever they were and whatever they did. And says, and they did not love their lives unto death. What a powerful scripture. Now I want to show you one more. If you'll turn with me over into Romans Real quickly, it'll be on the screen for sake of time. Romans chapter 5, let me read five verses. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Wow, that's important. It's the last in the line. It produces hope. Verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's the hope of salvation. That's powerful. Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments, God, I pray that you will speak through us in this house. That God, as we sow the seed of your word and we talk about difficult things, that God, you're going to help us see with biblical wisdom and biblical perspective. And God, I pray this, as this seed goes out into your people, God, I pray that as always, the seed that is planted in the fertile soil of their hearts would bring back a harvest of good in each of their lives. Father, help us understand the importance of your truth in a world that's so twisted and torn and confused. We are people of hope. Help us understand what that means. And today, when we leave our time together, I pray, God, as always, that when we leave this house, we will leave changed in the mighty name of Jesus Amen and amen. You can be seated. 
Now, I want to tell you, even though we've talked about some heavy subjects and dealt with some heavy things today, you know, there are amazing stories that happen consistently and constantly in our lives. Sometimes there are stories of perseverance and tribulation. Sometimes they're just funny. Anybody got some funny stories about your life? I've, I've come to determine that about a fourth of my life is just a big joke sometimes. Anybody know what that feels like? You know, but these stories make a difference. And we don't go through them for nothing. There's a reason. And I've learned this. God trusts us with our stories. We have a responsibility with that testimony. So let me break down this just a bit for you today because the reality comes to this. Here's where hope comes from and here's the assignment of every believer is this. We do our part and you've heard this. If you do your part, what's the other part of that? God will do his. How many times have we heard that? You do your part, God will do his. I want to change that up because I think there's some things missing out of that phrase. Because here's what I believe and here's what I think Scripture tells us. When we do our part, then we have to trust God with his part. See, the problem in our lives is we know what we want or we think we know what we want. And we want God to do things a certain way. But the beauty of hope is understanding that if God is in control, that things may not turn out like what we thought. But we understand that hope that we have in Christ tells us that God's plan for all of this is better than my plan. And sometimes in life, things don't play out like we hoped they would. You see, we hear a story like Olivia, where God radically does something amazing, and we love those stories, but just as many stories go the opposite direction. But here's what I want to tell you, is that every story has the power to change a life. Every story has the ability to light somebody up and say, you know what, if God did it for one, he'll do for another. And if God brought beauty out of the ashes of something that seemed destructive and so bitter and sad, if he brought victory out of that somehow, then he'll help me walk through my valley and my difficult place. But how do we wrap our heads around that? That passage in Romans chapter 5 is a fascinating and powerful scripture because it talks about the hope of salvation that we have in Christ, of, of the fact that we don't have to stress over not being forgiven. We can walk in the fullness and see the glory in our lives because God has poured himself into us. I love the fact that it comes to the place where it tells us that all of these things lead to building endurance and perseverance and character. I don't know about you, but there have been some places in my life I'm going, God, I've got enough character. Oh, maybe I'm the only one because y'all got really quiet. Because I'm going to be honest, there have been some seasons in my life I'm going, God, I've had enough. I can't take another one. I can't take another hit. How are you going to turn this around for good in our lives? I can tell you story after story where Tuan and I were struggling. And, and you've already heard a powerful story. I'm not going to share another one. But there are some seasons in our lives where there were times I would be nearly angry at God because I didn't understand why this would happen this way. But the truth of the matter comes down to this. Is it our job? is as Grant Ross was saying, his father said, as long as there is breath, we declare life. 
That's our part. Faith. It's walking in faith and believing when we can't even see the good. We can't see. We still declare the good. We still say the good. We still speak the promises of God because that ultimately is what we're talking about. So your first key thought for some quick ones is this. Our biggest challenges can set the stage for God's greatest miracles, but we must do our part as well. Too many people sit back and just want God to do everything. But God says, you're the one that's got to confess it. You're the one that's got to stand in faith. You've got to believe that I am who I say I am, that I'll do what I said I will do. So we have to wrap our heads as believers. Now, I'm not talking about people who haven't chosen Christ. For us that choose Christ, we have got to do our part, which is to stand in faith and speak life even when we don't see it. When you're facing a mountain that you don't understand, when you're facing challenges that you say, I don't see any way out. I don't see any possibility of a miracle here because look what God's doing. And here's what I need you to understand. Even in those situations, you must declare and stand on the promises of God. And here's what I found. That's easier to do the more mature I am and the longer I walk with God. Because the truth is, is that, like everybody, I'm broken too. And I struggle as well. We all do. But maturity is when we begin to walk in that. And even when we don't know the answer, we say, God, I trust you. I trust you with the next step. I trust you with the next place. Hope. What a powerful word. And that's what I wanted to talk about briefly was hope and trust. Because we heard the story about Grant Ross's family standing in faith and believing for the best. Believing that God was going to do something. And there's something very powerful about the lessons that we learn there. Hope is to trust in, to wait for, to look for, to expect something beneficial in the future. When we see the power of that and understand the reality of our hope is determined by the depth of our trust. I want you to get that because that's a powerful truth. Do you trust God? Do we? Because if we trust God, whether a situation turns out like we expected it to or like our desired outcome, if we trust God, we trust God no matter what it looks like. We, rev, we, we, we embrace God. I don't understand it, but I'm staying strong in you. And I'm believing, God, you're, there's a possibility of a miracle any moment. And I'm going to stand in that. I'm going to believe in that. And I'm going to walk in that as long as I possibly can until God says, no, this was my answer. See, that's the problem. It's that trust in God because our trust can't be based on the outcomes that our flesh wants. Our our hope, our trust in God has to be built on the idea that I'm going to stand for God no matter what it looks like. You know, on Wednesdays, we've been talking, going through the book of Daniel, and one of the, one of the stories we dug into was the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. We all heard that story. And I love what they said in that story in the scripture. And they said, O king, no matter if our God delivers us from this or not, we choose to believe. We choose. We will not bow. 
no matter if he delivers us or not. That's the mindset that we need to have. And that's what Revelation is talking about in that scripture and says, and they did not love themselves unto death. In other words, they said, my hope is beyond anything that this world has. And when I can't understand things, I still grab hold of this, that I serve a God that does. And if you're struggling because God didn't answer your miracle the way that you thought, if, if you did the response and the change wasn't, or the outcome was not what you wanted or desired, can I tell you this? The power of God is that he will walk you through each step because he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will help you heal. He will help you learn. And he will use that event in your life to bring healing to other people. See, there is power in trusting and having hope and understanding it. I think the problem in, in our culture is that, you know, we've had it so good for so long that the only thing we think is God is when things are positive and, and are working out on our behalf. We don't understand that sometimes God uses the issues in our lives and the struggles that we have. He allows us, I don't think he causes them, but he allows us, because let's be honest, most of the situations and circumstances in our life are because we're stupid, right? Anybody know what that, I mean, you know, it's like I can't say, well, God made me do that. You know, no, God didn't make you do that. And now there are re repercussions because of the choices you made. Somebody says, well, I don't believe that. It's like this. And I always, always use this illustration because it's so accurate. You know, if a young girl, a young lady, it doesn't matter what the age is necessarily, but they, they find themselves in a situation and they have sex outside of marriage and she ends up pregnant. Okay, you say, well, okay, uh, what's that? Now, in that Sunday, the preacher's preaching a message. And she comes in and she repents. No matter where she's at, doesn't have to necessarily be in the church, wherever, but she repents and asks God to forgive her. Let me ask you a question. When God forgives her, and we know he does, right? Is she any less pregnant? Why? Because there's a repercussion for the choices that we make. And what I'll tell you, what the enemy meant for destruction, God turns around for good. And that child that was birthed out of sin can come back around and be the greatest blessing that they've ever had in their entire lives. So our choices always have repercussions, good or bad. So what I want you to understand in this, we can't look at God and get angry all the time because things aren't working out the way that we desired. What I want you to understand is God says, I want you to trust me. And remember this, the, the depth of this, the reality of our hope is determined by the depth of our trust. Do you trust God even when his answer is not what you wanted? See, the most powerful part, I'll be honest, in this, and, and Olivia, who attends church here, is an amazing young lady, and I am so grateful for what God did in her life. But one of the most amazing parts of that story comes to this place when Grant Ross is telling his perspective, and he's talking about the fact, what if God didn't? We need to be able to look back and say, I did everything that I could. I did my part, which means if I did my part, that God was faithful with his part. And it doesn't take away the pain of loss. 
This, this hit really hard this week because I didn't want to say goodbye to Brother Bill. I wasn't ready for that. You say, well, Pastor, he was 87 years old. He was the youngest 87-year-old you'll ever meet. I mean, dude, he was on a motorcycle. Right? I'm, I'm like going, that, pretty cool, got to say, you know. But the reality was, as I'm praying with Brother Bill, I don't go down there and pray, now, Lord, we commit him to you. Lord, we know it's all over now, and, and you're going to take him to heaven, and, and all this. That wasn't the prayer that I prayed. That's not my job. You know what my job is? To stand over Bill and pray with his family and say, God, we believe that you're going to do what only your hand can do. We're going to confess and say, these are the promises that you give us in your word. And we stand on those promises. The hope and trust comes when we see that sometimes things don't end up like we thought they would. Now, let's take it away from death. That's a heavy one. Let's take away when it comes to relationships that we have in our lives. How many of y'all have had some relationships that go, man, that one did not end up the way I thought it would be? Come on. Yeah? Anyway, how many of you are sitting by one? No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. Don't. No, that's not even fair. I, I don't have that much marriage counseling time for you. But, but the, the truth comes to this place is that we realize when in relationships, we all want the best in that relationship. And, you know, you meet somebody and you think, man, they're going to be awesome. They're going to be the best. Some of you have went through horrible marriages and had to go through divorces. And nobody wants that. We know God doesn't want divorce. We know that. But sometimes you walk in those situations and you're thrust into these things. And it didn't begin that way or you would never begin. But the truth is we say, well, God, what will you do with that? When we have hope in our salvation, we understand the character of God. What it means is that he will turn around for good the things that are bad in your life and use them for his glory. And I want to challenge you today in this moment right now to let you know that here is what our job is. And it's your second key thought is we take action on the word we know. Then we trust God to fulfill his purpose. I phrase this this way on purpose. We take action on the word we know. What is the word we know? We know the promises of God. We know what he speaks. Then we trust God to fulfill his purpose. And when God fulfills his purpose, then we have to say, God, okay, I don't necessarily understand, but I trust you. That's the hardest part of that, and I think it's fascinating. There's a story, very quickly, there's a story in the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, and it's found in chapter 6, and I'm just going to summarize it just for, very quickly. Most of us know the story. They've, they've gathered around the city, and they're coming in, and now it's time for them to come in and say, we're taking the city. But the city's surrounded with these great walls. All of this stuff is going on, right? And then God tells them, do this. I need you to simply walk around the city once every day for six days. Oh, well, that seems kind of silly. Okay, we're going to walk around the city for six days once. And then on the seventh day, we're going to circle the city seven times. And then the Bible says, after that's all over, I want you to blow the horns, blow the trumpets, make a loud noise, and everybody shout. And then the walls are going to fall down. 
Now, I want you to understand that, see, the part that was important for the Hebrews' children, for God's chosen people, the challenge for that was sometimes God's asking you to do things that you don't want to do. I'm going to walk, I'll look like an idiot, God. When God impresses on your heart to go pray for somebody or to share your story with somebody at work, and you're like going, oh, God, no, they're not... That's not going to work, God. God didn't ask you your opinion, right? He's telling you, do this, and then I'm going to do the breakthrough. I'm going to break this. You're planting the seed. I'm not asking you to harvest. I'm asking you to plant the seed. So they go around the building all those times, and they do what God says, and we all know the story. They did that. They made the loud noise. They shouted. The trumpet sounded, and the walls fell down. They took the city, and God gave them an incredible victory that we all look at in awe even to this day. But what I'm trying to tell you is that God wants to do the same in your life. Sometimes he has you doing things that you don't understand to get there. Your part is to be obedient, stand in faith, and declare his word over your situation, over the things that are going on in your life. Let me tell you, let's take this to a national thing. People say, Pastor, what are we going to do? Our world's going to hell in a handbasket. And I go, and you're surprised? I mean, isn't this kind of, when you look at the grand scheme of things, it's kind of like, when I read this, we did a whole series on the book around, on the end times. We shouldn't be surprised by the state of the world because we know God's got a plan. I don't like it because right now, you know, I have to pray through about every day. If all I got to do is turn on the news and then I got to pray through because I'm calling people devils that may not, I shouldn't, I don't know, it's all these different things. But when we look at it, say, what are we supposed to do? Our part is to be faithful to God and be the voice of truth and to speak his name and show his glory. And his job is to fulfill his purpose. So what I'm telling you today is that we need to speak the word we know and then trust God to fulfill his purpose. And the last thought is this. Our job is to keep speaking the promises of God to continue speaking the promises of God, even when we can't see his hand at work. You see, today, the truth is when we see these amazing stories, I want you to understand that every time I pray a prayer over somebody, I'm expecting a miracle. Every time somebody comes up to me and they're saying, Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm, I'm expecting God to do it. And here's what I found. Many times, God does it. And then there are other times that God does it differently than what we expected. Our challenge is to continue walking in trust and, faith and hope, in, even when things don't look great, when we don't see his hand at work. I don't know about you, but when I look at the grand scheme, and I look at the picture of our nation, and I see that there are times when I'm going... God, I don't see your hand at work, and it's making me extremely anxious. But the truth is, God's hand is at work. And usually we're looking in the wrong place for his hand. So that's what I want to challenge you with today. That no matter what you're facing, God is able. 
No matter what difficulty that you're looking at, God is able. And can I just give you, can I just take a couple minutes and give you a little extra tidbit here? Because this is something powerful. You say, Pastor, how do I walk that out? And I just jotted down some things. I didn't even write a message. This is just going to give it to you really quickly. Because I believe you prepare for those events before you ever get there. You make the decision that you're going to stand for a miracle before you ever get there. You say, how do you do that? Number one, I pray. I'm praying before. Say, God, when those times come, give me faith. Help me be strong. The other one is this. Grow your faith. How do I grow my faith? I surround myself with people who speak faith, who believe with me. I don't get around the detractors and the people who are vision crushers, and they don't want to see great things in your life. They want to see great things in their life. So I'm growing my faith by the people that I'm around, and when I'm really struggling and I don't know what's going on, I remember all the good things that God's already done. Because the truth is, he'll never fail you. The truth is that we need to work on trusting God with everything, knowing, like in Olivia's life, God's able, but also understanding that sometimes God's got a different plan, and we trust him irregardless with the hope that he knows what he's doing, right? (laughs) We know, God, you know what you're doing. I trust you. That's the hard part. We stay faithful and we walk in it. But I'm telling you today, stories. Your story is important. Because even as Revelation said, that we overcome the enemy. We speak life into people by the power of the blood of the Lamb and by the power and the word of your testimony. Your story matters. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? Father, today we thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, that you love us enough to remember where we're at in situations. And even when it's difficult, you don't leave us. Even when we don't understand, you don't walk away from us. You don't get irritated with us. You don't get frustrated with us. You extend grace, and you love us right where we are. So, Father, I know there are people that are listening, that are watching, that are here in this room, that are struggling with different situations in their lives, and they struggle with loss, they struggle with hurt. And, God, I pray that you would begin a miracle of healing in them. That, Father, you would restore the joy that the enemy has tried to take from them. And that, God, you'd use their story of triumph in those difficult places to minister to other people and to help lead them through the dark places. But, Father, today as we're here, help us believe for miracles. Help us walk in strong expectation that you can do anything. So this morning, God, we give it to you. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a simple question. Maybe you're here today and you're believing for a miracle. You need a supernatural interve- intervention from God. You say, Pastor, that's me. 
I'm believing for a miracle. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right, right? Just because I need to be praying for you. I, I need to be coming into agreement with you. Just keep them up. Yeah. It's a lot of hands. Yeah. God's going to do it. You place your hands back down. God's going to do it. I'm in agreement with you. God's got a plan, and he's going to do it. We stand together. I'm going to ask you another question with heads out, bowed and eyes still closed. Today you're here, and you've gone through some places where you felt let down by God. You feel like God didn't come through for me. And pastor, today I need God to begin to restore my hope and my heart through those moments so that I can walk in hope and expectation again. God knows you need to be healed. You say, Pastor, that's me. Would you slip your hand up right where you're at and say, Pastor, remember me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just keep them up for a moment. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Yes, yes. One more time, I'm going to walk back to this side just to make sure. Thank, yeah, thank you. Amen. You can put your hands back down. And here's what I would ask. Can we all just stand to our feet all across the room? While you're standing, I'm going to tell you that are watching online, you can send us a direct message. You can send us a message. You could give us something in the comments. The pastors that are on there and moderating will answer your questions and connect you. We want you to be ministered to as well. We believe in you. And God's doing something in your life. Now, in this house and online, we're going to ask this the most important question. You're here today and you know you're not right with God. You know there's sin in your life. You know that if Jesus were to come today, you'd be questioning, uh-oh, this might be bad. I want to tell you that you can walk out of this room knowing that you're forgiven and that you're clean. You say, what well, I've asked Jesus in my heart, but I've allowed, long ago, but I've allowed some things in. That's what a lifestyle of repentance is all about. Repentance. And that's what this moment's about. So I'm going to ask you one more time to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask a very personal question. I'm not going to call you to the front this morning, but this is so important because this is where change starts. This is where breakthrough starts. You say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I need to get right with God. I need to repent of sin. I need to come to Jesus maybe for the first time, whatever that is. You say, Pastor, that's me. Just slip your hand up right where you are and say, Pastor, remember me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Any other hands? Thank you. I don't want to miss a single hand. Yes, sir. Amen. You can place your hands back down. We're going to pray this prayer now. It's a simple prayer of salvation, and I only ask a couple things. And one is this, that you tell somebody about the decision that you're making. We need each other. We need to walk together because we're stronger together. And the second thing is this, is remember, you're not alone. You're not alone. So let's pray this prayer. 
just simply repeat a simple prayer after me. It's simple because I want you to mean it from your heart. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past. Today I'm a new creation and you are mine and I am yours. It's a new day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.